Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour three of the program. Longtime Canadian men's national basketball team member Carl English, the pride of Newfoundland, is going to join us in just a second here to kick off hour three as we celebrate Canada beating Slovenia and going to the semifinals of the FIBA World Cup. Hour three of this show it's brought to you by Campbell and Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell and Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. We are coming to you live from the Kintec Studio, Kintec Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintec.net. Uh, to the phone lines we go. Very happy to have our next guest on the program. He's probably a very happy guy right now. Carl English joins us here on the Halford and Breath Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Carl. How are you? Uh, good afternoon, boys. You're in. A, I'm on a real time zone out here in Newfoundland. So yeah, <laughs> That's right. I'm extremely happy after that win. How are things? Uh, things are great. It was bright and early in the morning here when that game tipped. Five thirty in the morning. We were in here shortly yeah, thereafter. We got to watch we the whole thing go down. Advantage for once. Typically, uh, <laughs> typically the games, basketball games, don't come on here till ten thirty, eleven thirty at nighttime. But this time, uh, ten thirty or nine o'clock, ten ten o'clock in the morning has been most of these ones. So we've had a little bit of an advantage. So I was going to ask you about how you felt after the Spain victory, but since this has happened in such dramatic fashion, as a guy that yeah. spent so many years playing for Canada, I think you appeared in fifty international games, and you tried to qualify for the Olympics, and you wanted to be at this stage. How did it feel? What did it mean to you watching Canada get these kind of wins on the international stage? It's been tremendous. I mean, I guess pride is an understatement. I mean, when you when you play for so long for your country, and, and I've always played, I felt I've always played for the correct reasons um, and the pride of just being a Canadian, and I think that's magnitude even more so from playing in Europe so long because of the passion that they have for playing for their country. So I always had the same. Um, and, and to see them finally read like 23 years, guys, that's a long time. <laughs> like yeah. it's, it's been a struggle and, and just going through it and being so close. Like the one that devastated me was the, the Venezuela one. Cause I got hurt during that training camp and we played them three times that year without a lot of the NBA guys. So I literally, I'm not a gambler, but I would have bet the house on that right. game to qualify for the Olympics. And then I was still a young pup then. So I would have been able to, I would have been able to probably make the team the following year. And that would have been my Olympic birth, but then to go, so miss that one. Then the 18 was another one where I just felt the talent pool was so strong that I was like, okay, not only are they going to, to qualify, but I'm like, this is a team that will fight for a medal. And I truly believe that. And now to see it come to fruition and finally see it here, I'm like, this is what I've been preaching for a long time. And I said that yesterday, I did an interview as well. And a lot of people were asking me what's going on. I said, the monkey's off the back now. So it's such a burden that's been carried by generations. You know what I mean? And you know, the amount of people that have played since, Steve and them qualified in 2000 or played in the Olympics in 2000. Since that, that was been the goal. That's been the fight. That's been the struggles and coaching and management and Canada basketball in general and everybody that supported it. It's just been like, come on guys. 
you know, and then to finally see that happen. And there was no doubt in my mind they were beating Slovenia today because once that weight gets lifted off, you're, you're basically playing with house money. You're playing, right. playing free and confident, right? Um, okay, so I want to walk people through your story with the, the men's national team because you kind of got into the program when you were at the University of Hawaii and you came on board. And it yeah. wasn't, if I'm not mistaken, it wasn't long after Steve Nash and that crew qualified for the games in 2000, correct? Yes, it was the it was the next next wave of of athletes after that. So that was their kind of last run at it. That would have been Nash and Meeks and um, Rowan and these guys. Um, they were done pretty much then, and then there was a new wave of of talent coming in. And my I played junior. I think it was under twenty one. The university games was my first time. I want to say that was in in two thousand or two thousand one, maybe. Um, and then the following year, like I, I didn't go to training camp for that Olympic Olympic team because I had to come back to Newfoundland and help my family. You know, they were that were a fishing family, so I was focused on that and 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 basketball, just getting better at the time. And again, guys, if anybody made mistakes, it was myself because there was no path. There was no path from a kid from the streets of Newfoundland to go to where I went. So. If there was a mistake, it was probably three and four mistakes before I got it right, and that was probably a one at that time looking back. So that's when I kind of joined the program, and then I went on and I went undrafted, and I really got heavy with Team Canada then in the 2003, four and on through right up till like 15. So was the expectation, given what the previous regime did, was it we're going to make the Olympics, or was it always this like uphill battle? Like, Where was the program at that time? Because I think a lot of people thought, well, this is the rise of Canada basketball. We finally made the Olympics. Nash is there and everything. Yeah. And then we had this 23-year gap where there was no Olympic yeah. participation whatsoever. Where were you guys at? Um, well, we were... We were we were a team. We had the commitment there. We just didn't have the talent pool that's kind of in the generational talent that's going through right now. So we qualified for the Worlds, which was a huge feat in, in 2010. Um, and we based that on, on a team. You know, a lot of the NBA guys, the big issues for those years, too, were the insurance issues. And I know Rowan and them did it when they were playing. They were struggling with those because it was starting – players were starting to make real money and – you were starting to make money overseas and you know it was a lot of gamble and risk especially the overseas contracts because if you don't show up to training camp and you're not healthy you're automatically cut right so all these things play factors on who was who was taking part with us and and that was the process of, of building that gap but it was yeah it wasn't it wasn't an easy. Yeah, we felt we were you know thinking we could compete but i think this tournament now and the the publicity that you guys are giving it, I think people are starting to understand that this is a world game and it's not just the NBA. Um, you can tell it's a total different style. You can tell the physicality. You can tell, you know, like even Spain took away all Canada's transition. So like, it's a lot more scheme and tactic and it's a very team orientated game. So I think that the, the way you guys are broadcasting it is really showing the rest of the world and us in Canada that this is a world game and the amount of talent that's outside of the NBA as well, right? So once once we played, you know, we always have this is our summer, this is this is where it's at, and we go and we fight. And you know, um, Brazil was always a powerhouse. So Argentina, sure, they they were really strong in my years that were there. 
I remember we the benches cleared. I even I think Leo got into it like with Skull and then we got in a full on brawl. Like it was just different times, man. It was it was it was amazing, but it was it was different than what you're seeing right now. Uh, what can Canada expect from Serbia? I have heard they are a little bit passionate about basketball. Oh, that's going to be their true test. Yeah, that's I, I watched a little bit of them yesterday. You know, Serbia has been the powerhouse for years, and even in the European, even in the European scheme of things, like I've played. What, my I had a Serbian coach in. I had a Serbian coach in Italy. I had a Serbian coach in Croatia. I had a Serbian coach for three years in Spain. Like the pride, the, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of players in the European game that come through the Serbian ranks and how they teach basketball. And then, you know, I was coached by Dragon Petrovic's brother. There's a lot of there's a lot of pride in that region, and basketball is their main sport. So from what I saw there yesterday, that they're going to be a true test. Now again, I, I think Canada is a force to be reckoned with. I feel. They're getting better with each game. If you're watching it closely, the way they moved the ball today was like a team that was together, you know, for a couple of years. So I think one thing, I mean, Steve brought it up in the pregame was, you know, expectations are high for this group, but they've only been together for a few weeks, right? So I think these games and and the experience that you're getting during this is, is invaluable and it's going to be huge dividends next summer for the Olympics. So, um, I look at every game now as a bonus. Uh, I do feel they can play with, with Serbia, but this will be their biggest test of the tournament for sure, hands down. Um, I hate to put you on the spot here, but how did Serbia get so passionate about basketball? And how is basketball taught differently in a place like Serbia compared to Canada or the United States? Because well, I don't think people understand it's their life. Like, I got caught up in it when I went to... I went to Croatia, so there was a civil war happened there in the early 90s, and it was funny. The club I was with, uh, Zadar, a lot of tradition, that's where Dragon Petrovic played. His statue was outside the arena, so they owed me money. And I was like, guys, I'm not playing the game. Like, you're three weeks late now. I don't trust anything's going on. My agent was Croatian. He came to me, and we were playing Partizan, which is Serbia. And they start telling me some stories of how they invaded their country and the gruesome things that happened. And, and they're so passionate about it. And I'm caught. I felt like I was caught in the middle of it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to play. He's like, I'll play. I guarantee I'll get your money. Just go play. So not only did we play, um, I had 35, we won the game. I don't know if I paid for a meal after for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was amazing. The passion that they have against them, each other and the civil war that happened over there in their countries. And then it's just, it's just a basketball country. If you watch the once brothers, if you saw that documentary, they were a powerhouse wreck in that whole Montenegro area and all those teams together, they were one, one country and it was there's been a lot of stri- a really good history of basketball that's come from there and they 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 set the tone on aggressiveness how they the toughest coaches i ever played were serbian and passage their coach that's coaching them now he coached in spain in barcelona for for years and he sets the tone so like there's no there's no bullcrap there's no you know, you're going to do it this way. It's a very old school taught basketball and, you know, it's a very military structure and it's just how it is. It's the, the infrastructure has been there for, for decades and, and they continue to produce young talent based off those games. Right. 
Carl, can you uh, help the listeners out a little bit? Because we've noticed, I mean, the Slovenians were very frustrated with the officiating today uh, in yeah. their loss to Canada. How does the officiating differ in FIBA uh, versus the NBA? Well, a lot of it is the clutching and grabbing. Um, another thing, too, which was evident, Luka Doncic doesn't get thrown out in a game like that with that magnitude in the NBA. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you just threw out a basketball god, so they don't care who you are. They're refing the game based on what they see. Um, the clutching and grabbing is huge. Like, if you ever notice when they're setting the screen, the guy rolls and clears out the defender and takes whoever's with him there. You can't do that in the NBA. Again, when they're coming through, like I was always good at, the guy was coming through, I'd ride him and bump him way off. You're a lot like you're in my path, so I can stop the that that type of movement there and create advantage on the backside. Um, just the physicality, like the positioning, they close the paint. There's there's so many little things. What you see a lot of these teams doing, if you saw it one time when Shea drove three guys reached out to grab them to stop the ball. So they used their fouls wisely. Spain did a great against Canada because they eliminated our transition game. So like all these things they do to take the athleticism out of the game. Um, that's what I'm actually trying to teach here in Newfoundland because we don't have the same athletes to play against the other provinces. So I'm trying to teach that type of style. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's, it's one of those things that you can see there. Whereas, if you watch the redeem team with the Kobe Bryant story and all those guys, like they completely changed their structure and how they did things to play that type of style. So the NBA is up and down and fast paced. And then, you know, if you get to the finals and you watch it, the game changes and becomes more defensive orientated. Whereas, you know, our goal with some of the teams that we had in Spain were, were to keep teams under 13 points a quarter. So like Great. the focus is way different uh, defensively and just, you know, stopping the progress of the player coming down. Like you eliminate the transition game, you eliminate these type of things. And then you see the structures and the chemistry and things they run. So, it's, you know, it's great to have shader that can get you this bucket when you need it. But a lot of the stuff that you're playing against are team games and, and concepts there. So it, it's totally different. So is this like a perfect style for Dylan Brooks? Yes. <laughs> you know, well, because he, he's yeah. allowed, like, he is allowed to use his physicality. I mean, at the end of the day, he's, he's having a hell of a tournament. You know, I love Dylan and what he brings. I think he was painted as a villain, and he he bought into that probably a little too much and ended up hurting him. But at the end of the day, he can still play basketball. He's still a tremendous athlete. Uh, you know, he's a competitor. He's a guy that you're going to want on your team and a guy that you're going to hate to play against. So, you know, this is the style for him, any style he could play in, but this is, you know, the clutching and the grabbing and using his strength to his advantage. You know what I mean? Like, you could see him shining in these moments, right? Like, they got, same thing with uh, Dort. There's another guy. Like, they got a couple of really strong defenders that this type of style is helping them, right? Like, Luca wasn't getting nutting, and in the NBA, he's shooting 20 free throws today. Are we seeing the biggest games in Canadian basketball history right now? I mean, I don't want to discredit what came before. Like, I never try to get caught up into, you know, uh, who's better in generations and things. I think this is the golden generation right now. I think, oh, I sat in front of a TV watching on CBC. We had two channels watching Steve at the Olympics. So now when you go and you, the kids and the nation are watching this next generation of athletes do it on a, on a bigger front. I mean, back in 2000, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't know if I had a computer or an email, you know what I mean? Now the whole world is digital and everything's at your fingertips. So 
it, it's right in front of us and everybody's seen it and everybody's soaking it up. And I, I think it's a great group to get behind. I mean, there's, they got the swagger, they got the style, you got, you know, some, a couple of vets there, you got a, bit of fly, a, a whole bunch of, uh, style and flavor with that whole team. And then Jordy's doing a great job for a guy that just came in. So that a guy that just came in so soon, right. And they're buying into what he's teaching and he's not satisfied with any of it. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's really fun to watch. Would I say it's some of the best? I, I think tomorrow's going to be a huge one. Obviously if they get past that, I do feel this is a metal team and I think they just put the whole world on notice of we're here now. And I think this is the case if we're here to stay. I don't think it's just, Oh yeah, it is a one-off. No, I think we're here to stay. Carl, I love talking about this with you. I love your passion. I love your knowledge. Uh, my mom's from St. John's, so I love the accent okay. as well. Um, <laughs> please, let's do this again during this tournament. If 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 yeah, you'd be so know. kind, because I'm, I'm available this week. We just got the kids kids back to school, so I'm a little bit free. So yeah, let me know, and the time difference makes it easy. But no, I love talking hoops, and I've always had the passion for Team Canada, obviously, as you guys know. So it's a it's a pretty big week. How good is kids back to school too? Uh, yeah, they Just... need a bit of structure. They've had, <laughs> they've had a they've had a great summer as well. So, but it, it, it's flying, man, in the blink of an eye, right? Okay, we're gonna do this again this week. Thanks a lot, Carl. We really appreciate it. Bye, awesome, guys. Have a good one. Take yeah, care. YouTube. Thanks. That's Carl English, former Canadian men's basketball player, also one of the greatest shooters in the history of University of Hawaii. Yes, bye. I think he's second. That's quite the trip now that I think about it, going from Newfoundland to Hawaii. Yeah, he's like, I like islands. Yeah. <laughs> Temperature-wise, there's a difference. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Does it snow here in May? He's shivering. Because uh, it often does in Newfoundland. Um, yeah, so he, I wanted to ask him, now, you know, because he played in the early 2000s as primarily like a marksman. Like he was a sharpshooter from three. Mm -hmm. And he was very close to being in the NBA. He was undrafted. I think he had a stint with the Supersonics to give you an idea of the era right. back in the day. And then he had a really great career overseas, including he was the leading scorer and was like a borderline MVP candidate in the Spanish League. Like mm -hmm. We're talking about a big-time player in a big-time league. I love the stories that he has to tell about European basketball. And it's, yeah. probably, it's probably an element of the game that we don't focus on in North America for obvious reasons because we've got the NBA that gets a lot of attention and college basketball gets a lot of attention over here too. Yeah. International basketball is kind of like, I don't know, third on the list. Yeah, you know, just don't think about it, right? And then fair enough. Like, you have no exposure to it. It's yeah. a North American audience. But mm -hmm. uh, And we've had Carl on the show before. If you don't know all about his backstory, we don't have a ton of time to get into it. We'll talk to him later this week. But just an unbelievably inspiring and kind of unprecedented backstory in the annals of really almost all Canadian high-level athletics, not just basketball, where he came from, how he got there, the heights that he reached. It is really impressive, and he's still doing it. And also, um, an amazing interview. Yeah. He can so talk, well spoken. He can talk with fluidity, and there's no... Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, and like us. Uh, you know, that kind of thing. He's great. Make more really, sounds. Eh. Yeah, right. Okay. Uh, Never heard people... That's why we don't take callers. Imagine somebody like just that. tuning in right now. Let's start yeah. that. What's happening right now? Anyway, we'll talk to Carl later. So, well, why is Bick on right now? Oh, hey, a cheap shot. <laughs> Bick catching strays right between the eyes. This is the first one I thought of. Could yeah. have been Riccio, although Riccio is the point guard for Italy. So uh, it's true. He he's got busy. Burn yesterday. Okay, focus, <laughs> focus.
focus. Uh, Canada play. So the next couple of games at the FIBA World Cup, uh, we, I love being in the Pacific time zone for most athletics. I find, and contrary to whatever Drant says about eating his third brunch at 1130 at night to being able to watch sports, I find the Pacific time zone the best for sports viewing. Yeah. I've been back east countless times. Yeah, it sucks staying up that late to watch sports. Don't like it. Guys, Love what we've got here. I have a counter argument for that. Okay, go ahead. When you're at the bars yep. in Vancouver, yep. live sports are done at 9, 9.30. You're sitting there watching highlights yeah, for go, two Yeah, go hours. talk to some girls. You know, Who does that's that? What, <laughs> I don't know. Not me. Um, <laughs> that is one of the things. You don't get the... If you're watching sports at the bar late night in Vancouver, it's usually like a, a University of Hawaii football game. Poker? Yeah, or yeah, some West Coast football that started like why did this game start at eight forty five? But so th- they do exist. I get what you're saying. However, uh, I just pers- as a personal anecdote, I've always loved the Pacific Time Zone for sports, except when it comes to the World Cup because I cannot think of a worse time than yeah. one forty five in the morning start because mm-hmm. I, I can't watch it. I cannot watch it. I will miss that entire game. Yeah, you I got, need to sleep for this job. Wake up for two hours to watch. It. I've never pulled, you know, I've never pulled an all nighter and come into work. I've been close. No, I've never, real close. I've never come close. Uh, after we did the botch tribute at uh, the Commodore, right. and it turned into a party. Right. And I remember at a certain point, I'm like, I'm dangerously close to just going from one venue to the studio <laughs> in the morning. I won't say what venue. Just We were having a good time. And I remember thinking, hmm, is an hour of sleep going to make a difference or should I just power through? Thankfully, I went for the hour of sleep. But anyway, not going to get to watch Canada play Serbia, which is too bad. Uh, so get your What We Learns into the Dunbar Lumber text line. We need some more What We Learns. We'll read them on the other side. Dunbar Lumber with three stores to serve you in Ladner on Bridge Street, Dunbar Lumber Express at Ladner Center or Abutus in Vancouver. Online at DunbarLumber.com. I will just do uh, a quick one. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, believe Kelsey's ACL is intact, but they don't know if Travis Kelsey is going to be healthy enough to play Thursday in the NFL opener against the Detroit Lions. Uh, of course, the, the Chiefs are also dealing with a contract issue with defensive tackle Chris Jones. So the Chiefs might not be at full strength uh, heading into their season opener as defending Super Bowl champs against a Detroit Lions team that a lot of people are expecting bigger things from. And they have been one of the teams that a lot of people have been asking, like, can they take this next step this season? Um, So lots of storylines. Mainly, I did this, what we learned, to remind everyone that the uh, NFL kicks off on Thursday. Tomorrow. And, and, and this really, yeah, tomorrow. And this really, like, kind of starts, everything's like, the FIBA World Cup is kind of an exception. Like, it's it's a standalone. We don't always have this FIBA World Cup. We don't, don't always talk about it because Canada isn't always doing so well or never does yeah. this well. Um, college football has kind of kicked off. Um, NFL is about to kick off. Canucks training camp in a couple of weeks, and then it's the preseason. We are just getting into one of the best times to be a sports fan. Give me a triumphant moo cow on that. Ah. Text in you what we learned. <laughs> a celebration.
celebratory moo, my moo, man. Moo, 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 moo. <laughs> Text in your what we learns. We'll read them on the other side of the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The People's Show, where you're part of the show. Download the podcast and stay up to date on Vancouver sports all summer long. Part of the show. What did I say? Talk to the audience. Oh, God, this is always dead. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. It's what we learn time. On the show. 8.31 on a Wednesday. Alvin and Brown of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in Hour 3 of the program. Hour 3 is brought to you by Campbell & Pound Real Estate Appraisers. Trust the expertise of Campbell & Pound. Visit them on the internet at campbell-pound.com today. All right. Bruff kicked it off with a very energetic what we learned. Are we going to go around the table still, Laddie? A-dog? Yeah, I think Bruff said there weren't any good ones from the listeners. So we no, I didn't say that. I didn't say. That. <laughs> I said, there, there, said. The, we haven't done the call. <laughs> then you called so, the listeners stupid. Yeah, he's idiots. Yeah, which is fair. I have to be dumb. I'm just gonna to turn your to mic on during the break one Ooh, time. Halford in trouble. Uh, okay, let's do la- let's do dog. What we learns. Woof. Laddie and a dog. Who wants to go first? I'm choosing. Laddie, you go first. My what we learned. <laughs> it was a good off season for Trey Turner. He was put on the paternity list yesterday. Exactly nine months after he signed his massive contract. It's like with nine the months to the day. Phillies. Yeah. I wonder Congrats if it was sex, a bit of a Trey celebration. Turner. But yes, Trey Turner on the paternity list will have another child very soon. That is my what we learned. Look how that baby. Need like a saucy moo for that. Like, yeah. moo. <laughs> I don't have one. Andy's got one. Yeah, I got one. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Uh, yeah, I learned this uh, just now. Uh, it was announced about an hour ago. The Niagara Ice Dogs have hired former Vancouver Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau as a senior advisor, the OHL club announced earlier today. So, yeah, Niagara Ice Dogs going to be welcoming Bruce Bruce Boudreau into the it. fold. Yay. Yeah. Remember, remember how long it took me to say Bruce Boudreau? I yeah, called him, still can't. I called him Boos for like the first two months Old of his employment. Boos Boudreau and Bor Horvat. Yeah. Uh, so what's his job? He's a senior advisor. To a junior team? I believe his sure. son works for the team, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. He's yeah. the senior for the junior. Right. Okay. Well, that yeah, I mean, that'll be enjoyable for him to work with his son then. I mean, look, I don't think... Yeah, his son Ben is a first-year associate coach for yeah. the yeah. Bruce is... He, he's almost 70. Yeah, yeah. Wayne Gretzky you know. is a part-time owner of the team. Or part owner of the team, rather. and uh, Or Wayne, as David Foster just calls him. But yeah, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, part owner of the... Someone asked me, they're like, oh, how was the David Foster interview? I was like, it was great. He's got a very big catalog and network of associates and friends. Uh, and then he decided to tell us, uh, my good friend Wayne, <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. I'm like, oh, I got it. Just need to clarify. Nobody thought it was any other Wayne. Yeah. I did not think it was Wayne Brady. Didn't Wayne Knight, maybe? Yeah. No, I did. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Wayne Primo. <laughs> no, that, that, I, no one thought that was any other Wayne. Give us a moo on that. I think Adog just called him Wayne Primo. <laughs> that was a clever pun. Yeah, That's yeah. a clever mm-hmm. pun. Yeah. All right, let's Wayne print out three. some submissions. I, into... I wish I did. Let's print out some submissions into the Dunbar Lumber text line. <laughs> Things are chaotic right now. Andy's calling him Wayne Primo. <laughs> <Is> that Primo. <laughs> I think he said Primo. That's a Primo. 
But it's a way better name. Okay. What we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. What does a cow do before he moves? I don't know. What? What? Pre-moo. Oh, <laughs> God. Go home. Come on. <laughs> I'm sorry. Top five dad joke. Put your mic under the table right and leave the room. <laughs> what we learned is brought to you by Get Fire Plan. Protect what matters most with comprehensive fire safety plans, monthly audits, and risk mitigation at $200 off. Visit them at GetFirePlan.com. Oh, my God! We're having a fire plan! This show, sometimes, man. I tell you what. I tell you what. All right. Uh, Gunner from Kelowna. Hashtag WWO what we learned. What I learned is that this version of Team Canada basketball reminds me of another great Team Canada the 1983 World University Games team in Edmonton, coached by Jack Donahue, where they beat a powerhouse Team USA led by Scottie Pippen and Charles Barkley. Was it the game and it was unbelievable? Gunner from Kelowna. We probably don't... This team, which, by the way, was littered with awesome British Columbia players, mm-hmm. Howard Kelsey, Jay Triano, Jay Triano the late that, Eli yeah. Pasquale, the king of basketball in Victoria. Um, we don't talk about that team enough... But it was it, it kind of transcended basketball. Like it's considered one of the great underdog in which the U.S. as mentioned had Carl uh, Malone was on that team too. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Yugoslavian team had Drazen Petrovic on it, so it was a star-studded. So they beat the Americans and yeah, they won the gold. U- yeah, mm-hmm. they won, and it was here. It, not here, but it was in Edmonton. In, in Canada, um, so. Speaking of teams coming together, because I imagine that team had to come together to uh, pull off those upsets. Uh, here's SGA talking with uh, Arash uh, about uh, Team Canada coming together at the FIBA World Cup. I think if we if we haven't sensed it already that we're a pretty good basketball team. We play together, we play fast, we play tough, we're pretty hard to beat, pretty hard to play with. We just got to keep imposing our will, imposing our identity on teams for 40 minutes, and we'll be all right. Shea Gilgis-Alexander is unbelievable. Mm. Unbelievable talent. He's so fun to watch. Yeah, he's so in control at all times. And he's got an interesting game because in the modern NBA where everyone's goal is to, I'm going to shoot and try and hit as many three-pointers as possible, he hits a lot of mid-range jumpers. Like He's got a really good step back. He can take guys off the dribble and then just pull up in their face, and he's dynamite from the line. I think he hit, I don't know, 93% 93% of his free throws over these last two games? Mm-hmm. Like, he was money. I saw a good tweet that said he, he's too cool to be from that place. It was from yeah. an American basketball. That's, <laughs> that's pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. He's awesome. Uh, I'm going to do a couple uh, on the same topic. Liam in Calgary, what we learned, you may have mentioned this on the Tuesday show, but I learned that the legend Jimmy Buffett passed away on the unofficial last day of summer over the long weekend. Also learned that Key West put on a memorial parade in memory of the king of relaxation and participants wore their best Tommy Bahama outfits. And this one's from Colin Twasson. What we learned, Jimmy Buffett passed away over the weekend. Will the Canucks finally embrace the Hal Bro Show advice this season and play Margaritaville? At Rogers Arena this season in his honor. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett was a genius. He was an absolute genius in that he's like, what do people like to do? Mm-hmm. They like to relax, enjoy summer, have a few drinks, get together with their friends, listen to some music, and, and, and he marketed that. He's like, let, has anyone marketed that? Turned it into a lifestyle. 
It I, saw, is, I saw one tweet that was like he was the real life Ken. Like his job was beach. Like that was his job. Jimmy <laughs> yeah. Buffett's job was beach. Yeah, I mean, it just I, I read an article about um, a retirement village. I I can't remember. It might have been in Florida, probably Florida. That was basically themed around Margaritaville. Yeah, and like everyone was just like they're all a bunch of parrot heads. Yeah, they're just walking around, like, retired, like, drinking margaritas. I'm like, I want to retire there. I don't even need to retire. I need to do it right now. I'd be broke in a week Yeah, he's all just margaritas. Like, yeah, he just, like, he, he took, like, the best parts of a vacation and was like, I'm going to turn this into a billion-dollar business. Now, what if I make this my life and my whole existence? Yeah, he's, like, he's like, do you guys like drinking margaritas in the sun? And people are like... Yeah. Now, <laughs> we bro, do. I feel like there's a way to market this. <laughs> you know how Bruff is the commissioner of the sad club, right? Yeah. Jimmy Buffett was the commissioner of good times. Yeah. Good he, vibes. Though. 100%. And I've heard a bunch of stories since the wake of his passing that he was a great dude. He's alive, too. During the Hurricane Katrina uh, stuff that happened in New Orleans, he actually shut down one of his restaurants completely, paid all of the staff. Mm. Told them to get out of town, and if they could make it to another restaurant, they could continue working, and he would still pay them. So now, it sounds like I, he's a pretty good dude. I hate to do this because I I want to respect the the legacy of Jimmy Buffett when he meant, but Colin Twasson's text is kind of incorrect because we didn't say that they should play Margaritaville in the third period of Canucks games. It was Pina Colada. Yeah, the Pina Colada. By Rupert. Same vibe. Yeah, yeah. Same vibe. Mm. I'd be okay with Margaritaville though. Sure. You know what? If the Canucks get off to another bad start, let's just turn Rogers Arena into Margaritaville. I, that's not a bad idea. Like as opposed to as opposed firing to, your margaritas from the t-shirt can, yeah, yeah. t-shirt gun. As as opposed to like mass, but the kind of angry place that it was at times the last season. Let's just be like, listen, yeah. it's a, it's they're not good. We'll, we'll just you know like we'll turn the temperature up inside the rink. Mm-hmm. If the ice melts, who cares? And make all the Canucks players wear funny hats. <laughs> They want some pussy, hello, pussy cat. If we're spending 150 bucks for tickets, we're having fun. Tyler, whether you guys win or lose, like a Savannah Bananas game. Yeah, Tyler Myers is a healthy scratch night. Instead, he'll be having a jam session. Like that kind of thing. Be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There's a. I'm going to read a couple more related what we learned. Uh, Coach Newman, what we learned. The Man Cup was first awarded in 1910. The actual cup is made of solid gold and has an assessed value of nearly. $200,000. Is that true? Uh, I take Coach Newman's word on it. There have been three reasons the Man Cup hasn't been awarded in a year. World War I, World War II, and COVID. The New Westminster Salmon Bellies have won the Man Cup 24 times, and the Six Nations Chiefs have won it six times. The Salmon Bellies and Man Cup fun facts will keep coming. Yeah. Um, Mike, the teacher, what we learned a few weeks ago, you guys were talking about sporting events that signal back to school slash fall season, and this week... I realized one that we haven't had in the lower mainland for a little while. Game one of the Man Cup is this Friday in New West at Queens Park Arena. The Salmon Bellies are playing the Six Nations Chiefs. It's a great end-of-summer event and always has an awesome environment. Highly suggest checking it out. That is from Mike, the teacher. Game one, Friday. Game two, Saturday. Game three, Monday. Uh, I guess you can go to majorserieslacrosse.ca and you can go to... Uh, the Salmon Valley's website to get to Six Nations as the opponent too. That's yeah. Uh, the iconic wooden floor. Oh, it's mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. If you want to watch, it's not wooden anymore. I don't think. That's what it says in the press release. Oh, is it wooden still? <laughs> yeah. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe it is. I love the lacrosse talk. By the way, bring keep bringing the facts. Are you going to go to the Man Cup? I would love to if I can make it work. 
Do you understand? I, I, I'm, I'm still not full. Like, I have to be reminded of how it... So this is like senior men's yep. lacrosse, right? Yeah, so the East and the West always meet at the end of every year, the winners, and okay. they play for the Man Cup. And what is the other cup that they play for junior lacrosse, Minto. is it? Yeah. The Minto Cup. Minto Cup. Yeah. Burnaby was a big... Uh, lacrosse factory back in the the late 90s when i was growing up mm -hmm. the junior a team was ripping off yeah, that's okay. right. i want to say john tavares is the coach of six nations still the the other the john other john the other john yeah, not, yeah. The, not yeah, the hockey yeah, yeah. one um, the better john tavares i'll go ahead and say it. uh unsigned hashtag wwl what we learned i've never done a fantasy football pool i'm in one this year do i sit patrick mahomes this week and play brock purdy instead no don't ever do that don't overthink it. That's the key to winning fantasy football. <laughs> think less. The guys that think too much and do too much and tinker too much often outthink themselves. Keep it simple, stupid. Just start Patrick Mahomes. Also, I think Travis Kelsey is going to play tomorrow. His brother went on right. um, WIP Sports Radio in Philly mm -hmm. and was kind of mocking his brother. I think he hyperextended his knee. Yeah, so but his brother did as well. And he's like, of course, when I did it, we called it a bone bruise. And then he basically, and then I sucked it up and played. So I was like, ooh, <laughs> shots fired. Yeah, you don't have to jump as much. As a center? <laughs> no, he did far less jumping. Uh, Dan, with what we learn, if Halford gets up early to watch the Canada semifinal game, what's the over-under that Mike will fall asleep during the show probability you know, honestly he usually does it anyway I don't, i've never fallen asleep during a show i can say that with confidence mm -hmm. but the, your eyes kind of glaze over when we get into minutia canucks talk uh yeah uh, <laughs> no 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 that's who, not true who do you think should be the fourth line right winger this year see here's the thing it's not the minutia canucks talk it's the it's september 6th mm -hmm. the timing of it it feels a bit much i know that this is the home of the Canucks. And I know that a large percentage of our listenership is dying for Canucks talk and Canucks news. And you're just trying to put it off as long as you can. Yeah. Like, I'm like, we're going to do plenty of it. We are. But they're not, like, they're barely practicing right now. <laughs> they're skating. We're not talking about practice, man. Because you can't because they're not practicing. <laughs> okay? Like, there's a certain point where... What are we talking about? Practice? Pre-practice? Like a pre-moo. Like a pre-moo. Yeah. Like a pre-moo. Um, here's another one. This is from <laughs> Reg. I know, post -moo. I know this isn't Ask Us Anything Friday, but you guys were talking about Travis Kelsey's injury, and it got me wondering, whatever happened to the hyperbaric chamber? Do you guys remember that? LOL. Yeah. When Drance and I wrote that Canucks book, we were like, how many chapters are we going to dedicate to the history of the hyperbaric chamber? Do you remember that thing? Yeah, I remember the Bur 90, Burry was in it, right? The 94 Stanley Cup run yeah. was like the Canucks were so far ahead of the curve because they had this hyperbaric chamber. And we were more naive when it yeah. came to technology and everything. And we thought that one of, the, one of them suffocated in it and they that, had to shut it down. Uh, yeah, like it was... <laughs> It was a dangerous game we were playing with that hyperbaric chamber. Do you a dark day for hockey. You're a little younger. You got do the bends. Do you remember that though? I, I do vaguely, yes. The, and like we, it was it was a different trying time. to do an interview while he's inside. But it was a different time for sports fans because the only times you heard about it were almost like um, anecdotally. Like now, you could research a hyperbaric chamber in seconds, and you could probably buy one on Amazon if you wanted. But back then, it was like they had this sort of secret 
um, advantage over everybody else that these players could hop in this hyperbaric chamber. And as we understood it, it was like, if you had a broken bone, you jumped in there and the bone would magically heal. Can I read you something from the Washington Post? Please do. In 1994, <laughs> the headline, Canucks full of air. See, if the, it was a big deal. 1994. If the Canucks win the Stanley Cup, they might have to thank a small steel chamber that is speeding recovery from injuries and combating fatigue. The Canucks say they are the first hockey team in North America to use hyperbaric oxygen therapy. Injured or tired players sit in the $75,000 chamber and breathe pure oxygen while exposed to elevated air pressure equivalent to being 33 feet underwater. The therapy was pioneered in the 1940s and is used to treat scuba divers with the bends and in hospitals for carbon monoxide poisoning, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And the Canucks rode that hyperbaric chamber all the way to game seven of the Stanley Cup. Do you know what they use now? They have, they still have, like, what? there's like legs that they put on. I don't know if you've seen it. Players, when they're recovering, they'll sit in a chair and have these legs put the leg on their legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's oh, essentially I want what it, some of those. Well, that's essentially yeah. those what, it, what it's ahead of its time, but it, it cost $75,000. But now they, they still is do it. Is that the same idea, though? It, it's just pressure on your muscles. Just, I thought that was just like compression on your muscles. Yeah, isn't right? that what just using uh, air pressure in the, in the, in the tank? Oh, okay. hyperbaric, hyperbaric pressure. Uh, I want, I want to, I want someone to uh, invent the. 100% compression suit right. for me to do any athletic activities. Like when I start running, I feel like, you know, you've ever seen like an old car that when it corners, all the hubcaps fly off, Yep. you know, like that's kind of what I feel like if I had a full compression suit, I think I'd feel a lot more comfortable running, playing hockey, you know, just working out, just compress everything. I feel like you're wearing nothing at all. Nothing at all. Yeah. Nothing at all. Could you do that? It might be a little hot. Do you own any, like, Under Armour gear? I have on order some compression uh, ankle. They might be coming today. Socks? Yeah, they're ankle sleeves. Yeah. We are officially now old. They're, 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 not, they're not like... Uh, what you the old people were on planes yeah. for your varicose veins because that's no, kind of, no, no. yeah, that's kind of where the vibe I'm getting. No, no, no I just kind of want to just like keep my ankle from not like wobbling all over the place and my hubcaps from flying off. I, now I'm just trying to picture Bruff running and his shoes flying everywhere, hitting. Yeah, people. that's what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, remember in those old movies where like a car would take a corner and yeah. too fast yeah. and the hubcaps would fly oh, off? Yeah, like yeah. that's what my body feels he, like. He did fall once while while yeah, running. Fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but unlike the rest of his brethren, they didn't have yeah. to put him down afterwards. I, I smashed <laughs> in. I smashed in my hood. The windshield was smashed. It was. I had to go to the body shop. Focus, this, David from Surrey. This well, 1976 oh. Jason Bruff needs to be fixed. Almost focused. Uh, what we learned from David in Surrey hashtag WWO. I learned that the Seahawks are doing a YouTube documentary called "The Season of Boom" that looks into the 2013 championship season. They dropped the trailer yesterday. Uh, on their official website and then their YouTube channel as well. Uh, I'll I'll be watching. Yeah, I there. That's the problem. Yeah, you need a third party. Here. Wow, Pete Carroll came out looking really good in that one. <laughs> John Schneider is a genius. <laughs> I think that these need to be done by third parties. It's interesting. I was talking to someone the other day, and they were passed me along an article. I think it was Jackie McMullen. The legendary NBA writer and she was talking about having a debate with a, a player about the idea of writing your own biography and mm -hmm. then having it written 
for you without like not a ghostwriter, but someone writing about you. Yeah. And they're like, and some of them are like, you can't, when you say something, it's hard for you to look at what you've said and um, critique it objectively because, you know, usually the, when I put something forth, it takes me a long time to go back and realize like I didn't say it properly or yeah. I never got my point across, but to have someone dissect it and kind of say, that was a bad take or that was a bad analysis. You don't inherently have the ability to do that, right? Sometimes when I'm when I'm watching documentary or reading books, I think like imagine what it would be like to have a book written about you or a documentary about you. Mm-hmm. And in some ways you're probably watching it and going, "Oh yeah, remember that? Those were, those were pretty crazy times." But you're also like that is 100% not true, and that never happened, and that one was not what I was thinking at the time. That's not how I remember it going down at all. But that's how it was interpreted. Or more dangerously, that's how it was spun to make it more compelling. Or, or oftentimes, you can misinterpret events. Sure. Now, this like, is, you know, it's interesting. Though, this it would why- just be weird. Like, I mean, a documentary about us would be horrible. And very boring and oh, portly. God, um, guys sleep a lot. Like eight minutes. <laughs> Also, this is, I think, partly why that Players' Tribune idea never took off and never worked like I think everyone envisioned that it was. Well, I think it did work. I don't think so. To, to a certain extent. As a PR outlet. As a PR outlet. They're amazing writers, those players. I guess. <laughs> yeah. They're really incredible. Yeah, John, John and Gaudreau can turn a phrase, can't yeah. he? But the, 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 I think the idea was we're, we're going to get it straight and unfiltered from the athletes. Yeah, they, they probably pivoted it then. They were like, this is all BS. And it's boring. Yeah, yeah. I'm not, you know, people are very hypercritical of media and people that tell stories, but there's a, a certain appreciation you have to have for a good storyteller who's a writer that you're, it's, and it's the way that the story is interpreted, yeah. the way that it's presented. You, you know what they always do in those um, puff pieces? They always like, there's always like one concession. So they'll make sure. one concession. So they'll be like, I admit, maybe I didn't handle it as as well as I should have, for example. But then the rest of it is like kind of justifying why sure. that happened. But you have to understand where I'm coming from. Yeah. No right? one knows my story like me. And this guy that's writing it. Yeah. <laughs> and this my, unnamed person. And my team of ghostwriters. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I, like, I don't want to be super... Skeptical and hypercritical and negative because we do enough of that. But I, you know, I, I will say it. there's something to be said for a great writer that knows how to tell a story because it's not that easy. No, it's, it's really not, not easy at all. You can live the story, mm-hmm. but telling it is an entirely different thing. That was philosophical. Also, uh, in terms of you with your compression gear, someone suggested you buy some spanks. Oh, that made me look good too. It would show them off on the stream tomorrow. You know, he wore some to our movie date. You know, the other yeah, day. you notice how flat my tummy looks, Greg? He's like, yeah. please don't talk to me. Please <laughs> <laughs> stop rubbing your stomach while looking at me. <laughs> All right, we got to get out of here for today, but we will be back tomorrow. Signing off, I have been Mike Alford. He's been Jason Bruff. He's been A Dog, and he's been Laddie. This has been the Alford Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.